welcome to Deharmonizing with your hosts, Josh Harlick and Andrew Moll, two guys from deep in the heart of Texas, deliberating, meditating, and contemplating the things they like. Your source for all things pop culture. Oh, great! Real bullets! Oh, You're in a lot of trouble, mister! <laughs> It's real. What? Uh, this is real. You mean... Yes. They are going to kill us. What's your favorite what's your favorite part of three amigos when they're singing around the campfire that song is really good and weird mm-hmm. and um i think randy it's a, newman randy newman right yeah a randy newman i think that's just an interesting scene and it basically i think sets the tone of the entire film which is this is not a serious movie but we're just having a blast so planes trains and automobiles i mean mm. I, I can't say enough good things about that one god so good so good and it has a real heart to it i think it's the first time steve martin gets a taste of hey i could i could really be an actor like not just someone who's um there to be goofy i think mm-hmm. he he's sort of getting that sense and so that also is uh, that the first one is that the first one is that the first movie he do- he does where he does some drama? You know, that's a good question. I, I'm sure it's close together, but I would imagine, you know, you get it. Parenthood is either just before or just after that one. I, I would say it's probably after Plain Shades and Automobiles. I want to say, right say Plain Shades and Automobiles is 87 or 88, and Parenthood was probably 89. That's my guess. I'm, looking at, I'm, I'm just guessing. I'm it up right now. I got, I got the uh, magic of, of internet technology. I have IMDb up, and Thanks. it looks like... All right, so... Huh. All of me and the lonely guy were filmed in the same year. Oh uh, well, okay. We, we, we forgot about all of me. That's an that's an underrated movie too. That is an underrated really movie. Yeah, he, that is very a very funny funny movie. I think. Yeah. So eighty uh, six, he does Little Shop of Horrors and Three Amigos. Eighty. He was busy in eighty seven and eighty eight. He had Roxanne, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. <laughs> God, that's a funny one. Oh my God! And then, and so then, funny. and then, Parenthood. You're right. Parenthood was '89. So '87, '88 were Roxanne, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and Dirty Rock. I mean, wow. He was throwing 95 miles an hour fastballs from 1979 to 1989. Yeah, like, he dominated. Unstoppable. Dominated comedy for probably 10 years easily. 10 yeah. years, yeah. So anyway, yeah. So play, talk about Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. So Planes, yeah, a huge. I mean, I. I how many times have you seen that, Andrew? I mean, how Gosh. many times? Thousand. I feel like I, I see it every. I see it every year on Thanksgiving. I see it every year on Thanksgiving. Yeah. I. I. Uh, and if I catch a clip of it here and there, I might even sit through it again. Just if it just happens, mm-hmm. it's one of those kind of movies. Um, John Candy, of course, like awesome, this amazing performance. And the heart that it has in it mm-hmm. is not. It's not uh, trite. You know, it's not Mm-mm. corny. It's actually. Yeah, they actually pull it off. You know, where it's funny for a long time. And you relate to uh, Steve Martin's character, 
you know, a Neil Page. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, everybody and, relates to Neil Page. Nobody and, really relates to John Candy's character. Yeah, you know, but they know a, <laughs> they know a John Candy. They know a Del Griffith. Everybody knows that guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, everybody knows that guy, and they know when you get caught with him, you're like, oh, my God. But it's sort of, <laughs> you know, he did a good job of even in one, one scene – you know, really um, bringing the character to to three dimensions. Boy, you're an ungrateful jackass. You're no saint. You got a free cab. You got a free room, and someone who'll listen to your boring stories. I mean, didn't you, didn't you notice on the plane when you started talking? Eventually, I started reading the vomit bag. Didn't that give you some sort of clue? Like, hey, maybe this guy's not enjoying it. You know, everything is not an anecdote. You have to discriminate. You choose things that are that are funny or or mildly amusing or interesting. You're a miracle. Your stories have none of that. Honey, I'd, li- I'd like you to meet Del Griffith. He's got some amusing anecdotes for you. Oh, and here's a gun so you can blow your brains out. You'll thank me for it. I, I, I could tolerate any any insurance seminar for days. I could sit there and listen to them go on and on with a big smile on my face. They'd say, how can you stand it? And I'd say, because I've been with Del Griffith. I can take anything. I think both of them both of them do a good a good job of that. But yeah, man, I guess it it could have been John Candy's first dramatic or one of his first dramatic roles too. Po- that's actually possibly that's a, right. That's a really good question, and I think you're probably right. I mean, there I don't know, probably don't know the entirety of John Candy's career, but I know a lot of it, and I don't remember anything surrounding that that was. I don't either. Dramatic I, I like that. I can't think of yeah. I can't think of. Um, he was in JFK a few years later. Was he? Yeah, it's just a bit part. You have if you if you go back and watch it. If you have three hours to spend I watching JFK, yeah, I, I, you don't have to. Just just <laughs> just just look up the clip of John Candy. Um, and can, it's I have time for that. It's extreme. It's extremely different. You know, he's got a southern accent in it. It's not John Candy. Okay, I know the, you're. The I, I remember now. I remember now. Yeah, yeah, really interesting bit part. But uh, but Planes, Chains, and Automobiles just complete as far as comedy goes. I think anyone, no one would would uh, argue against it being a classic because it is. Yeah, John Hughes, right? Uh, John Hughes, John Hughes. That's right. And I think for John Hughes, that was actually one of his are getting close to one of his last movies he ever directed. I, I don't think he did much beyond the 80s. Maybe a little bit, but he, he mainly yeah. did writing and producing after that. He still kept writing. I mean, he wrote yeah. um, Home Alone, I think. It seems to be one of the later. Yeah, Home Alone. And he did Baby's Day Out, which was a classic. Totally kidding. <laughs> Have you, did you ever read the script of Planes, Trains, Automobiles? No, but I remember you telling me about it. Yeah, Jared and I read the, the script, and... Uh, much of what's in there uh, didn't make it to the actual film. It, it almost seemed real, like more zany in in that way where I was like, how? I guess I was reading it and, and thinking back before I even saw the movie, and I was thinking, how would anybody read this and think it was any good? That's how weird the script was. What about characters? If you're doing characters, do you have do you put Neil Page as number two? If you have if you have Naven as one, do you have Neil Page as two, or do you have, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I, certainly, um, Freddie Benson from Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I mean, that's... Oh, God, yeah. Forgot about that one. He is so funny in that. And that is... That's like the... Quint- like, if I thought of rating movies, right? You If you give them a grade on how good they are, Plain Strange and Automobiles gets an A. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels gets an A, right? It's that, mm-hmm, it's that mm-hmm. good. It's not dramatic. 
like Plain Chains on Wheels, but man, does he do a good job. He knows exactly what he's doing in that movie. And so does Michael Caine, really. I got to give him props. Yeah. Michael Caine's not somebody that I would ever put on my favorite actors list. No. But but this movie, he he, he nails it, I think. He does. It's a good role for him. It it's is. a perfect role for him. It is. And then, the, the, <laughs> all right, so your favorite scene of that in that movie. Dirty Rotten I, I got mine already. Yeah, I know exactly what mine is. Um, it has to be the scene where Michael Caine comes into the room. He's pretending to be that psychiatrist. Yes, that's mine. That's mine. And that, that where he's... And he's in the wheelchair. At last we meet, Officer Benson. After all those letters, I feel that I know you. <laughs> Great. Now, let's have a look at those letters, shall we? So, you are numb from the waist down. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Completely numb. No feeling whatsoever. That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, you won't be feeling Mr. Piggy then, will you? <laughs> no. So, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, um, definitely, I mean, if we're talking about his top five performances, that's definitely near the top. Um, and then, you know, obviously we have some honorable mentions. We've got Roxanne, which is funny, but, you know, you can tell he's... Uh, certainly incorporating more theater, right? Because based on Cyrano de Bergerac, and then he wrote that. LA he wrote story. that, right? He he wrote, yeah, he wrote Roxanne based on um, Cyrano, which it's it's actually pretty genius. Now it's not one of my favorite movies, I guess, because maybe because he stops he stops being more like the old Steve Martin, and I'm I'm kind of old and crotchety that way, where I'm like. I want pe- I want things to say the same. It's not my uh, favorite either, and I wonder. I don't. I don't think I've seen it since it came out, which is crazy. But I don't think I've seen it in thirty years. I've seen it since maybe maybe uh, maybe twice. I would say since I saw it since it came out. Did it get better the second and third time? No, no. I think it's it remains the. It, it is what it is. It's one of those things where um, it has more. It has more of an artistic flow to it because it's since it's based on a classic play. Uh, but it, you know he's veering off, right? You can see Steve Martin's. He doesn't want to just do wacky stuff anymore. He wants to get a little bit more serious. The LA story certainly has a little bit of a serious part. And then Father of the Bride. Now he's uh, a father, and there's some sentiment there with father and daughters and all that stuff. So. His career starts to offshoot into more adult themes. You you missed Parenthood. Oh, parent. Well, Parenthood. Yeah, I mean, Parenthood is 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 extremely successful in that in that way where it's basically a dramedy, but it's the the funny parts are funny, and I think the drama parts are really good, and re, and you can really relate to it. So somehow the tone of that movie, I think, did it right, which is directed by Ron Howard, right? How old would he be about this time? You know, I want to say he was in his mid forties. Um, so he was born in forty five. So by the end of the eighties, he's pushing fifty, I guess. I, no, may, maybe more like mid forties at the forty five. Mid forties, you're right. Mid forties at the end of that. At the end of the the eighties, uh, mm-hmm. and so you know, I mean, as any any, you can't expect any you know actor artist to not want to expand their career, especially since he has such a prolific one at this point. Now he's going into different roles he's uh, in um house sitter with goldie hahn he's in leap of faith um he does 
um, a simple twist of fate, <laughs> which is a, a very <laughs> dramatic role. There's no comedy in that whatsoever. Um, Mixed Nuts, which is a we- really weird movie. Um, Sergeant Bilko, The Spanish Prisoner. Um, that was <laughs> I saw that in the theater, and I, I was like, I guess I was really into different movies at that time, so I was kind of like, cool, he's doing something else, you know. But is that David Mamet? David Mamet. Who That's David Mamet? Da- directed yes. it. David Mamet. Yeah. Um, and um, it's it's an interesting movie, but you know, again, Steve Martin is. I never saw it. I remember when it came out, but I never. Yeah, saw it. Yeah, it's an interesting movie, you know. Novocaine? Did you ever see Novocaine? Never saw Novocaine. Boy, is that a weird one. You, you, you got to see it if you get it. You got to get in the mood to see it, though. It, it can't be just something you're yeah. like, I love Steve Martin. I'm going to watch all his movies. You know, you have to be like in the mood right. to see something very weird. Um, Cheaper by the Dozen. It, this is the phase of not only his career being watered down, um, but the studios are. like He's also in The Pink Panther, right? Sergeant Bilko, The Pink Panther, Cheaper by the Dozen. See the concepts now. The out of towners, well, which is all, which so is like, Neil is Simon. He, um, that's a is, based on a play. With, with the exception of the out of towners, are these all like paycheck movies? Basically, you know, I don't know if Steve Martin would see them as those, but I think just if if he's only given certain options, you know, and it, it, they have to come up in their own mind. Each actor has to come up with a reason to do a movie. And, you know, if that's the option he's given and he thinks he can make it any, if he thinks he can make it better, then he's going to do it. Yeah, I just wonder what compels somebody like Steve Martin with the background that he has to feel the need to do House Sitter or yeah. Cheaper by the Dozen. The, the, the only movie that I would want to mention out of those that you went down in the 90s, the only one out of there that I really do like is Leap of Faith. Yes, I was born to lowly circumstances. Yes, I ran with a bad crowd that taught me to smoke weed and steal. I hung out in bars and I hot-wired cars. I grew up mistreated, so I lied and I cheated. I learned hard crime and I served hard time. I have walked that crooked road and I have danced with the demon Satan. I've been face down in the gutter and looked up into the face of God. And I say to you tonight, if you want to give up the bottle, who are you going to talk to? Someone who's never touched a drop? And if you want to give up womanizing, who are you going to talk to? Some pale-skinned virgin priest? And if you want to give up sin, and I believe everyone here tonight wants to give up sin. Who can lead you off that crooked road? You need a real sinner, people. A sinner of such monumental proportions that all your sins wrapped up in one couldn't possibly equal the sins of this king of sin. Because you know if he can walk that straight and righteous path, If he can go from grit to grace, from sin to sanctity, from lowliness to holiness, that you, with all your everyday sins, can rise up like an angel and ride that golden elevator to God's own penthouse in the sky. In retrospect, if you look at his entire body of work, I think Leap of Faith stands out as one of his last really good performances. But at the time, 
it was a total letdown. I remember being, yeah. I, I remember the previews and maybe it was because of the previews because in the expectations and like everything else, but the previews made it seem like it was going to be a funny movie. Like it was going to be a comedy. It was going to be a total, you know, Hey, put Steve Martin in the role as a shyster evangelical carny kind of thing, whatever, whatever you call him. And it's like, Oh, that's going to be hilarious. Cause you could see it going that way too. Mm-hmm. Right. But it goes the other way, which is not what I was expecting. And it's still, it, and so it was, I remember leaving the movie going, what did I, what was that? Yeah. That's not at all what I was thinking. That was really depressing kind of. And, and, um, but you learn, I learned a lot from it, that movie though, too. I learned a lot. And I think re- looking back on it, I think it's, if you're, I mean, it, well, I mean, if you're, especially if you're comparing it with Sergeant Bilko and Mixed Nuts and some of these, I think it, it's, it's, it's got to be one of the standouts from the 90s. It's got to be, I'll, right? Yeah, I'll have to rewatch it. You know, I, 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 don't, I definitely don't think it's... I, I agree with you. I thought the same thing when we saw it, but I don't think it's as bad as what we thought. I think it's actually a pretty good movie. It's just, it's such, such an odd... It's such an odd story, you know, um, yeah. and it and it ends it wraps it up really nicely in the end. You know, he could have built a career out of being the jerk for forty years, and would have been fine. But I think with every good actor, and we talk a lot about his comedy and his and just you know his the comedic elements. But I think he I think he stands on his own as an actual actor, and I think that really good actors take chances uh-huh. and take risks and um, maybe a leap of faith isn't what his agent said he should look at doing or maybe maybe he got maybe maybe someone else maybe thought that wasn't such a good idea but he said no I'm gonna take a risk and if it works great if it doesn't work that's great too and I I, I have the ability to take risks so I'm gonna do it and <clears throat> I think that's what great wouldn't you agree and that that's what great actors yeah, he can't do. You have to do. He it. can't just do what audiences want him to do. I mean, like no, no, no person can live with themselves. You know, it gets boring. It gets it, which boring. I guess, which I guess is what's disappointing about a lot of his post '90s films because um, no, I think our podcast is illegal. <laughs> <laughs> Run! <laughs> they found me. I don't know how, but they found the me. The jig is up. The um. But yeah, so I, I think that um, that's what maybe what is disappointing about some of his post-parenthood work is that he did Father of the Bride is a great movie. It's 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 funny. It's got a lot of it's it's a it's, safe movie. Yeah, it's got a lot of um, sweet moments in it. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's a fine movie, mm-hmm. but like he he ran out of. I mean, I, I don't know. Would you say that he was a risk taker in the '90s, on the whole, or or even post? Uh, I mean, you know, leap of faith. Except leap of faith. I mean, what other big chances? I haven't seen any of these other ones. I mean, I guess Spanish Prisoner is a risk. I don't know that I want to adopt an adversarial position toward the company. But you are in an adversarial position. No, no, I think you're wrong. I think you'll find that if what you've done for them is valuable as you say it is. If they are indebted to you morally but not legally, my experience is they will give you nothing and they will begin to act cruelly toward you. Why? To suppress their guilt. So, Andrew, I want to 
go into um, our last, uh, actually, a new segment, meaning we didn't do it on the first show. Did you know? (laughs) Didn't you know? I'm going to do five things that uh, I wonder if you, the audience at home, knows um, about Steve Martin. So, let's go through this list, Andrew. So, number one, he was a cheerleader in high school at Garden Grove High. He was a cheerleader. So Cheerleader. Yeah. Interesting. So, which, which Was he doing a bit? No, no. He was a real cheerleader. Now, if you, I think if you imagine a young Steve Martin, um, from what I understand, he would yell out unpopular cheers, like weird things. <laughs> And um, people, it wasn't like, people didn't like it, obviously, you know, you can imagine him doing that. And probably he was sampling things that he thought was funny at the time, even before he really knew he could mold a career. I I would imagine that's where he was in his mind at that time. So, uh, interesting thing, number one, he was a cheerleader in high school. Yep. Number two, his first job was at Disneyland selling guidebooks. Um, and mm. earlier, Andrew, you mentioned him doing tricks and magic. That's actually where he learned all this stuff. He started selling guidebooks at Disneyland, and then eventually he went on to other jobs where he was doing like shows like tricks with lasso. Like he's really good at like um, roping a lasso and things like that. He, that's where he got good at that. Three stuff. amigos. He three even amigos. displays in yeah, three amigos. Right. That's where he got all that stuff. He started learning magic and and um, you know rope tricks and just kind of interesting mm. bits that he would learn there. And later on, that would develop more. The balloon animals, he does a, a really a stand-up bit in um, Parenthood. And he and when he was doing yep. stand-up as well, he uses balloon animals. But that's where he got all that stuff is from those early days. Wow. Number three, and we got to fi- find a clip of this. He was a contestant on the dating game. Did you know that? No. <laughs> no idea. He won. <laughs> <laughs> he won. Yeah. Um so, <laughs> yeah, um, really, really That's interesting funny. fact about Steve Martin. Yeah, he was a contestant on The Dating Game. Um, number four, Steve Martin's father thought Saturday Night Live was the most horrible thing on television. Wow. His, his father sounds like a real piece of work. Yeah, I bet he was a big jerk. <laughs> you know, I mean, he probably was just someone who was overly sensitive and didn't, if since he didn't build his career the way he wanted, and Steve Martin gets famous, well, you know, it's it's kind of a jerk move to just say all that stuff, especially when your son is really, really successful in his chosen career. That's ridiculous. You would think pride would be the prevalent emotion there. Not, yeah. Not, not jealousy. Yeah. Yeah, ridiculous. So number five, and this is something that I I would love to try to verify, but I read this and I just thought it was interesting. Apparently, Steve Martin popularized the air quote. Mm Mm-hmm. The air quote, right? In my head, I can picture him doing it, but I don't know what it's from. I, I, I agree, and I didn't have enough time to research it, but... Yeah, when I first read it, I thought, yeah, he probably did do that. Um, and I don't know, it's it's something that I would never think about the origin of, but I can't imagine someone in the 50s doing air quotes. <laughs> you, you know what I think of when I think of air quotes? I think of Chris Farley doing it on Saturday Night Live as Matt Foley. Yeah. And also as... Uh, actually, um, you're thinking of him doing it as Bennett Brower, right? 
Bennett Brower. That's what I meant. Bennett, Bennett Brower. Yes, that's right. That's right. Bennett Brower. Um, yeah, not Matt Foley. That's the first time I remember seeing him. Ah, okay. Okay. It, well, that's what the first time I remember seeing him. Dr. Evil? Dr. Evil. Dr. Evil did air quotes in Austin Powers. I would love to. It's. I guess it would I don't, take... I can't remember... I can't remember Steve Martin doing them. Well, maybe I'm not the norm. I'm not camera friendly. I don't wear clothes that fit me. I don't wipe properly. The top five would be Larry from The Lonely Guy, Naven from The Jerk, um, Neil from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, no huh? wait, Neil. Is that Neil? Neil Page. Yeah. Uh-huh. Lucky day. I would. I would have. I would agree with you, except I think I would. I would push Three Amigos a little bit further out and put Dirty Rotten Scoundrels in its place. That's the only thing I would change. Um, I think I can watch Dirty Rotten Scoundrels more than Three Amigos, even though Three Amigos is just fine and certainly part of my childhood. I just. I think in in, in just pure joy of watching the movies, I think Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is in my top five. Certainly can't argue that. Um, well, thanks to those listening. Please feel free to uh, add input and share with us uh, what we could do to make this a more informative podcast. So thank you again, and enjoy your April 22nd. You've been listening to Deharmonizing with your hosts, Andrew Mull and Josh Harlick. Comments or questions, email us at deharmonizing at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at deharmonizing. <laughs> <laughs>